common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. With some huge breaking news is John Solomon, of course, the founder of Just the News. Um, John, big stuff at the border hearings. There is indeed. Congress left Washington, went to Texas, right, where the heart of the border crisis is uh, being felt most in McAllen, Texas. And the Border Patrol chief, Raul Ortiz, who is the top uniformed officer of the Border Patrol, was point blank asked by Chairman Mark Green of the House Homeland Security Committee, does the United States Border Patrol have operational control of our border? And Mr. Ortiz responded, no, sir. Now, this is very stark. First off, because it contradicts a lot of the narratives in Washington that the border's fine, it's not as bad as people say it is, but it may have a legal consequence because just a few short weeks ago, the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, was asked the same question, and he said, we do have operational control of the border. Uh, the chairman of the committee went through with Ortiz, read the, uh, the definition. Ortiz said, I know what the definition is. It's my goal to have it. We don't have it. He directly undercut the Homeland Security uh, Secretary's uh, testimony. This is going to have consequences. I would not be surprised if we didn't see a criminal referral made by the committee to uh, the Justice Department on Mayorkas, given today's extraordinary uh, developments. That is just one of many big things going on all across the world. People are trying to stop banks from collapsing. We've had two in uh, Washington today. The big concern has been the Credit Suisse Bank in Switzerland. Uh, just a little bit ago, the Swiss government, its finan- primary financial regulator said it will step in, provide some funding to make sure that the bank, the number two bank in Switzerland, doesn't uh, collapse. Markets are rattled. Banks are rattled. Customers are rattled. Uh, a global financial crisis seems to be uh, burbling in the offing just on the horizon. A lot of people concerned about that uh, in uh, many countries, America included. So those are some of the top headlines uh, making news right now. Now, uh, the, the other thing is, uh, so does, is the crisis over for Switzerland? Well, this will have a stabilizing effect, right? But we don't know how bad the bank's balance sheet is. We don't know why the Saudi Arabian government uh, uh, stopped uh, putting money into the bank. That was the thing that triggered the panic. Uh, And the other question is, are there many other banks? Yesterday, Moody's told us there are six American banks that they're moving to the watch list, and they may need to be downgraded for creditworthiness. That is not a good sign. That is a dynamic we saw at the beginning of the 07-08 major recession. Uh, Other banks and other countries also now beginning to show liquidity issues. Uh, This announcement today will keep nerves a little less rattled for a few hours, but people are asking bigger questions. How many more? The Fed, the Fed created the liquidity issues by raising uh, interest rates so fast in a short period of time. So the bond portfolio of these banks and the value of the real estate in the banks went way down and created yep. crisis in the banks because they all fell below uh, certain tiers. And, and that's what happened. And now today, uh, oil has just gone below $70. It yep. closed at $68. That means inflation goes away. I called upon Chairman Powell on Maria Bartolomo's uh, show this morning that he should drop the price of, uh, of uh, interest rates uh, by at least a point Tomorrow morning, let's see what happens. 
Yeah. Yeah. Listen, you're exactly right. The economics here are so simple. There is one mysterious uh, part to the bank's behavior. We've known inflation has been out of control for nearly two years. We've, uh, the Fed was slow to act. And then when it did get acted, it rushed things very quickly, which I think jolted. You described that jolt very accurately. Uh, but banks knew once inflation got roaring that there was really only one tool the Fed uses for history, at least since the, uh, the Volcker era. We know that interest rates were going to go up. That's the only way the Fed has it. None of these banks seem to adjust to it. They continue to engage in behavior as though uh, money was going to be free, that the interest rate was going to be at zero. That failure of bank officials to recognize the inevitable outcome is what a lot of people are pointing to. But all this starts with another person, a person who keeps getting dropped out of the equation. Joe Biden's spending habits is what started this whole thing. Absolutely. Joe Biden poured well, a lot of money know, into the economy. That didn't help. Went up. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> that didn't help. But what started this thing is causing the price of crude oil to double. And that's right. that's, that led to inflation. And you know what? That's yeah. what you've always said all along, John. You have been spot on. John Solomon, yeah. thank you so much for being with thank us. Thank you for the breaking news, John Solomon. Big stuff. Great to be with you guys. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Let's bring in Mark Morgan, who is the former head of Customs and Border Protection, the former commissioner, and also with the Heritage Foundation, a visiting fellow. Mark Morgan, huge news. Um, you just heard it there from John Solomon. Uh, that potentially maybe Mayorkas lied under oath. This is his other right-hand guy who's in your position that you had years ago. Do you think they can make a case, maybe criminal charges against Mayorkas? Rita, this, we've been screaming this from the mountaintops from the moment he did this, right? Under oath, uh, Chip Roy, right? He asked him, he had the 2000 Secure Fence Act definition of operational control and what the secretary's mandate was. And he asked the secretary if he had operational control, and the secretary said yes. It was a blatant lie then. It's been a blatant lie ever since. And now for the first time, we have another current uh, uh, law enforcement a top official in the administration right now that was asked the very same question in Chief Ortiz, and he said, no, we don't have operational control. So, yes. And, and you know, they, 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 they tried, uh, Representative Mark Green, the chairman of Homeland Security, tried to get, you know, uh, Ortiz to, to admit the secretary, uh, Marcus, lied. He, he wouldn't do that. Uh, but he didn't need to because we know the answer. Yes, the secretary lied. He purged himself. It's just one of, of, of several reasons why he should be impeached and he should go. And you're right. I think John is right. You could actually say a hey, potential criminal charges. Go ahead, uh, Judge Weinberg. Mr. Morgan, I, I agree with you. We've been saying that on uh, on our show night after night. Mayorkas lied. He said the border was secure, said the border was not open. This is grounds for impeachment. It's also grounds for a, a criminal indictment. There should be a referral to the Justice Department. If we're going to protect our country, we have to protect the border, and we have to get serious about this. And the first step about getting serious is going after Mayorkas. That's right. Look, I completely agree. We've got part of the predication on the success of this country is making sure that we hold government officials accountable. And this is what we need to do. America deserves this. America deserves a secretary of Homeland Security that at a minimum is going to do a couple of things. One, 
enforce the laws on the books and not violate them, and two, not lie to the American people and lie to Congress under oath. That should be a baseline. Secretary Mayorkas has violated both of those basic premises. And now, now what's the term? I, I, I wrote it down. I want to make sure I get it right. This came from Chief Ortiz. So, so they've redefined the law. It's now not operational control. It is now, quote, mission advantage. This is another example where the secretary has come in and said, you know what? I don't like the term operation control. You know, that's too hard to achieve. I don't like that. And even though it's law, even though it's passed by Congress, nah, that's not what is going to define my definition of success. I'm going to redefine the law to now its mission advantage rather than operation control. I mean, this, we are literally in, living in the world of insanity. This man has to go. How, how do we get people like this in responsible positions? I mean, this is treason. There's no other way. I'm sorry nobody's using the word. I'm going to use it right now. What he's doing is treason. He's allowing, allowing all these people into our country that, that we don't know who they are. We don't know if they're terrorists. We don't know if they're sick. We don't know if they have tuberculosis. We don't know if they're drug dealers. How can we be allowing this? Peter King, you were in the college for 28 years. You were on the Homeland Security right. uh, Committee. Uh, you were chairman. How can we allow this? Uh, I, was, yeah, I was one of the authors of the 2006 uh, illegal immigration bill. And no, it, it, sh- it should not be allowed. And I put the blame on Biden. Biden put these people in. They're following orders. This comes from the top. This is no mistake. They know what they're doing. Remember, during his campaign, Joe Biden was basically welcoming people in. Come on down. Yeah, come on and in. And the Mexican president today made a statement. Well, uh, we're not sending fentanyl. Oh, what a, what a joke. I mean, in fact, John, just last week, the same Mexican president said it's not our problem. It's U.S.'s problem. Uh, you know, Mark, too, to what Pete and John Katz and everybody here in the studio was just talking, this number blew me away. This just came out a couple minutes ago. Uh, since October, there have been 380,000 known Godaways. Those are the ones that we don't even know about. I mean, that is a stunning yeah. number. Those are the worst of the worst. Terrorists. And that's just in the first couple of months of this fiscal year. Right. How many terrorists are there? How many cartel members are there? How many people with diseases? How many people when they, they're, they're caught and released will we ever see again, Mr. Morgan? That's exactly right. And look, that's something we don't talk enough about. We talk a lot about the drugs, as we should, coming across, pouring across, out of ports of injury, in between, in a maritime environment, killing 100,000 people, 9,000 every single month. We talk about that, as we should. But what we don't talk about is what you just said. In, in the, so far, the first 25 months of this administration, 1.4 million known gotaways. And what did we hear from Chief Ortiz today? Finally, we heard it out loud. What we've been saying, Rita, what you and I have talked about is that's the known gotaways. He acknowledged for the first time under oath for the entire uh, uh, country to see, as he said, hey, it's, it's at least 20 percent higher than that total gotaways. So you could add on you know, another 300,000 gotaways on top of the 1.4 no million gotaways. And what do we know? What we know among those gotaways is just what you said. You're absolutely correct. There are murderers, rapists, pedophiles, aggravated felon gang members, and potential national security threats that are pouring across our wide open southwest border, and now they call the United States home. And we don't talk about that enough. And every single day, another victim, American victim, is being claimed by a violent, illegal alien felon that, that is among When the, are the, the American people going to stand up and say enough is yep. enough? That's why you have to impeach Mayorkas. You have to go after him. He won't go impeach him. He'll, he'll go up in front of Congress and say, I was following orders of the president of the United States. Well, that's okay. 
Right, and then you just get somebody else who comes in and does the same thing. No, no, but uh, but John, that's a good point. Let him say, "I'm following the orders of the President of the United States." Then you get Biden. Biden took an oath of office to protect and defend this country and to affirm its It's, laws and protect its laws and its constitution. Ed Cox, Congressman King is right. It's not my orders. It's the President of the United States. You're talking about impeachment. That's the person you should impeach. Uh, That's definitely where it's coming from. He sets the tone. Sets the guidelines. Sure. And maybe it's just my, you know, investigative background. You know, sometimes let, let's start. You, you could start at, at at a lower level and work your way up. I, you know, look, I I think Secretary Mayorka should go as well. But I think both points are are very well stated. Is that it, it, it doesn't matter what Secretary Mayorka says. If he if, if he takes responsibility, then okay, he admits he's lied and he's presided over the worst. Uh, you know, catastrophe along our border in our life's history. He's abused his uh, authority. He's abused his power. And if he says that he's following orders, well, then he's inept. And look, you're not, I don't care what your position is. I took the oath, you know, a, a 30 times in my 40 year career. And nowhere does it say that I have to uh, uh, comply with unlawful, unconstitutional orders. In fact, it says the other. So it doesn't matter. Secretary America's whether he's he's just carrying out what he considers Biden's orders. They're unconstitutional, unlawful. He has the statutory fiduciary responsibility not to support laws that are unconstitutional, unlawful. He's toast either way. Yeah, just go ahead and indict him. Why? Why do the impeachment? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's up to make the uh, make the reference over to the Justice Department. Uh, yeah. See what Garland does. See right. what Garland does. The president you have to impeach before you indict. Now, but here, no, that's just right. indict. But it's very simple. Have the committee make the referral. Congressman King. They can make it. I'm sure Gala will ignore it. And that's, right. But it's important to get this out there for the American exactly. people. That gets it out there right Exactly. Away. Get exactly. the debate going, really. Yeah. Get the, well, so, the, so, gentlemen, that's the other issue, too, that I've said. I, I agree with you on that as well. Is cause some, And you mentioned, too, that, that, well, you could just replace them with somebody just as bad. You know what? That's not the point. Sometimes in life, it's not the destination. It's the journey that matters. And what I would say with this, with, with Impeach Mayorkas, it's about the journey. Because for the first time, the American people in over two years would hear why we got right. to where we're at now. What actually drove it? What was behind it? We would hear the truth instead of the, 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 the false narratives, the lies coming out of this administration. I mean, that's one thing that made you know, Chief Ortiz's testimony so important today. It was the first time. There, there's five things for the first time the American people heard from a current official that, that you know, has involvement in what's happening right now. One is that we don't have operational control. One, the stop, two, that stopping the border wall construction was a mistake. Three, that up to 20% higher numbers than known gotaways. And four, that no fentanyl is not just coming through the ports of entry. And last is that he finally admitted that they added a fourth leg uh, to the three-legged stool of, of that it's not just about a strategy of infrastructure, technology, and personnel, that now they've also become a processing enterprise. And all this you know, testimony would not have happened unless it was a Republican control of the House of Representatives. The truth. Finally, the truth. Yeah, finally by the way, the Democrats out. aren't coming finally to the hearings. The Democrats boycotted the Mark, hearings. Mark Morgan uh, – a former friend of yours, uh, my chief of staff, and works with us, uh, uh, George Venizelos, is saying hello. Uh, he's a good man. Please tell him I said hello. I will. And uh, thank you for coming on. And thank we're going to have to take a break right now. Thank you, Mark. And keep fighting for our country. We need people fighting. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Let's go to Zach Williams, New York Post reporter up there in Albany. Big news, of course. It looks like Kathy Hochul is getting a set of cojones, I guess, right? Uh, walk us through it. 
Well, the gauntlet has certainly been thrown down between the governor and Democratic lawmakers who rejected her proposal, her budget proposals to overhaul cash bail while expanding charter schools in New York City in one House budget resolutions unveiled yesterday. Now, it was quite a challenge to the newly elected Hochul. Um, and Republicans are urging her to hold up the fight and even blow past the April 1st budget deadline if she doesn't get what she wants, especially on bail. And, but at the same time, the Democratic supermajorities in the state Senate and Assembly look to be uh, trying to hold their own line. So we're just going to have to wait and see how the next two weeks uh, shape up on, the, on these fronts. Jack, this is Pete King. Uh, what ultimate power does the governor have? How long can she hold this off? If the, if the legislature digs in, what can she do since they have the supermajority? Well, it, governors have an enormous authority <laughs> over the right. state legislature in New York, especially compared to other states. You we know, always had in the past, I know. Actually, Zach, how about the Patterson extender, if you know what I'm talking about? Exactly. Named for Governor so, Patterson, and he invented it. <laughs> so basically, you know, to put it – to. Basically, a governor can hold the budget past the April 1st budget deadline and keep the state going through um, budget extenders, you know, short term spending resolutions that uh, would keep the government uh, running while holding out on state lawmakers who, you know, from an institutional standpoint, just have a lot fewer, you know, legislative maneuvers to get past that resistance. That said, though, you know, while David Patterson used <laughs> used such tactics, you know, more than a decade ago, you know, Democrats have a supermajority in both chambers this time. And when you have something that can override a gubernatorial veto, things get very interesting very quickly. That said, if the governor is playing hardball, then she could hold up the budget over this, trying to wait out lawmakers. But it really depends on just how many legislators, especially in the state Senate, where it's exactly a supermajority, she or, might or, be able to get on her side. Or Ed Cox here, or he, she, he, she could just put her budget in as the extender and dare the legislature to shut down the government. That's what <laughs> I was talking to Assembly Minority Leader William Barclay earlier today, and he used the word bloody to describe such a situation. You know, this would be an incredible power play by the governor who has been criticized for not being tough enough on state lawmakers, you know, especially given that historic rejection of her top court pick, you know, just a few weeks ago by the state Senate. You know, a lot of lawmakers have been smelling blood in the water since then. And while Andrea Stewart-Cousins, the state Senate majority leader earlier today, did not want to use the word emboldened, she did use the word empowered to describe you know, the kind of the zeitgeist among Democratic senators about how they can get what they want in the budget process, perhaps at the expense, a huge expense for the governor who has said she wants to make bail changes, but also finds herself entangled in all sorts of other fights. Suburban lawmakers hate her housing plan. You know, organized labor hates her charter school proposals. So she's going to just have to pick and choose what are the issues where she really wants to make her stand. But I think there's few others beyond bail that where she is really looking to play tough with the lawmakers. And, and uh, Zach, it's uh, Richard Weinberg. The other big issue is the proposals coming out of both legislative houses and the governor's office about raising taxes. This is a, an economy where people are fleeing. 484,000 people have left in the last two years. You've lost, lost 2 million. Two million people in the last 10 years. 
this is very, very serious about the future economic viability of the state. They can't raise taxes anymore. They have to stop this. Both chambers are looking to raise income taxes on people making more than $5 million per year. And that's, again, another challenge to Governor Hochul, who has said quite a few times she is not looking to raise income taxes. Now, remember the multi-front war that she had. So she's got to fight both houses over raising income taxes. At the same time, she's got a tax of her own, the uh, MTA the, uh, commuter tax, yeah. yes, to fund the MTA that she wants you know, increased. That is anathema to a lot of suburban lawmakers uh, from both sides of the aisle. And what could get really interesting here is seeing how those lawmakers opposed to the commuter tax, who might normally not be the people that are all about raising income taxes, tend to be more moderates out there in the suburbs, but might they, you know, be won over to the side of income taxes? We'll just have to wait and see. But you know, right now, the governor, again, it just has so many different fights. You know, the, the, there's income taxes, bail, and, of course, flavored tobacco ban and so much more. We'll just have to see what happens before April 1st. Wow, a lot on the plate there. Zach Williams, thank you. Well, thank you, Zach uh, Williams, and we'll talk to you again later this week. And uh, oh, God bless you, and let's, hope, let's pray for uh, New York. God bless. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Where the heck are the markets today? Up, down? Well, we got somebody with us. Uh, we have Ryan Payne uh, with us that knows a little bit about what's going on uh, uh, in the markets. Ryan, uh, tell us, uh, what the heck is going on? Well, there's a big concern right now about uh, the global banking system. I mean, obviously, we had a big run on Silicon Valley Bank last week here in the United States. And then we had Signature Bank, another bank here in the U.S. All basically get shut down uh, right before the weekend. And now we have Credit Suisse. We got a huge bank in Europe um, that's having a run on their assets uh, as they weren't able to raise more money from their biggest lender, uh, Saudi Arabia National Bank. So, you know, the big fear right now is contagion. And, John, you remember back when we had the great financial crisis when we had, like, a lot of big banks, like Lehman Brothers, fail. So there's a lot of concern right now about how solvent and how safe the banks are. Understood. I understand the Swiss uh, government uh, was announced a little bit after 5 o'clock that the Swiss government is going to help Credit Suisse? Yes, and the stock is up over 7% after hours. So it looks like, just like here in the U.S., where we're giving a backing on deposits, uh, the Swiss government's doing the same thing for Credit Suisse, and that should look to placate markets and help the, the day wasn't as bad as it started. When we closed today, so that's the good news. Now, uh, I was on Maria Bartiromo this morning, and uh, the fact is that the Fed raised those rates so fast that uh, I I guess uh, some of those banks were blindfolded. John, I got to give you some credit. That's the one thing you've been pounding the table on for months now is the Fed should just back off because something's going to break. And that's what we saw, right? Yeah. We finally saw uh, a big they run broke the, on. They broke the real bank. estate market. By, they broke the real estate market. 20% of uh, America's industry is real estate. They broke it. And uh, I, I looked at the screen this morning when I was on Fox Business with Maria, and I said to Powell, you better drop the rates tomorrow. So let's see what happens. I'm hoping that they do. Um, you know, bottom line is at this point, you know, it, we got to get to a point here where we at least stop raising rates to see what happens because there's a delay. When you raise interest rates, it's not instantaneous. You know, there's a lot of... It's a lag uh, factor. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I don't understand why they wouldn't call sooner because this is one of been the biggest. You, you know why, Ryan? Because they're still reading Samuelson's economic book from 50 years ago. They don't realize it's 2023 and there's a new world. Um, no, that's exactly right. And things move much quicker. I mean, look how quickly the run on the bank happened on Friday, right? That's the fastest in history within 24 hours. Because and then Sunday media. night, I'm walking to dinner. I'm walking to dinner on Sunday night, and I get breaking news. Signature Bank is closed down, and I had a ton of money in there. I didn't have a good dinner. <laughs> ouch, ouch. That's a bad Sunday dinner, John. I'm sorry. I'm glad I wasn't around for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, oil has gone below $70. to closed at 68 something today. Which is very disinflationary. That's, you know, that's basically a tax rebate for the American people. So inflation invariably is coming down. Yeah, they don't have to pay $6 for uh, gasoline anymore. As oil goes down, and I gave credit to President Biden for opening up Alaska, or at least threatening to open up Alaska. I mean, the EPA might still be attacking, uh, you know, but uh, the president said, I'm going to open up Alaska. Yeah, which is smart because we need oil. Um, we need oil desperately and we need to get prices down. And, you know, that's exactly what we need to do to get inflation down and not have the Fed continue. Which yeah, will keep this economy in good shape. We have a minute left. What, would you want, what do you want to tell the American people? Confidence in America? Ah, high confidence right now. Look, like you just said, you know, hopefully the Fed got the message. Interest rates are going to stop going up. Employment's strong in America right now. Wages are going up. I don't think we're falling off a cliff right now. I'd be very bullish on America. I'm optimistic, John. I've been saying that since last year when everyone was calling for recession, and it doesn't look like we're going to have a hard landing here. I still will stick by that. Well, thank you so much, and uh, God bless you. And uh, uh, let's pray for America, and we'll talk again real soon. I love it. And you're on every every Saturday with with, uh, uh, Stephen Moore on WABC Radio. Uh, and uh, from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock, right after Larry Kudlow, who's on from 10 to 1. Be there, be square. (laughs) God bless. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. We've got Joe Tacopina on right, right. now. Well, let's listen to Joe. First. We are con- con- continuing our blockbuster show. Friend. I don't know yeah, of course, uh, he's always on Sit and Friends. He's all of our friends. Uh, joining us now is Joe Tacopina, the great attorney here in New York. And he is the attorney representing President Trump in the case with the Manhattan DA, the hush money probe with Stormy Daniels. Uh, Joe, you heard we have um, former Congressman Pete King, Ed Cox, also Judge Weinberg, Rita Cosby, and John Katzimatidis. Great to have you on, my friend. Oh, my God. So I got to tell you, if I were arguing before the United States, right now i'd be less nervous than talking to this all-star pal <laughs> he is the greatest congressman in our history in my opinion 
Rita, you're a legend. John, of course, is a god. I mean, you guys are all, I mean, really, it's, uh, it's, it's an honor to be with you guys. It really is. But Joe Ed Cox here, this is really petty stuff, isn't okay. it, this case? Ed, uh, listen, here's the question I want to ask, okay? And, and, and the honest answer, there's only one honest answer. Does anyone actually believe that if someone else were accused of paying hush money to avoid a public sex scandal in the manner that Mr. Trump is suspected of doing, he would be prosecuted? Of course not. This is the absolute definition of weaponizing the justice system to go after a political opponent. This is, this is taking the vote out of the voters' hands. All decent people, whether politically opposed to, to President Trump or supportive of President Trump's candidacy, should be concerned about weaponizing the DA's office for political purpose of preventing a potential candidate from running from office. Joe, even That's assuming true. that all the facts were true, assuming that, and I don't believe they are, I don't see where the crime is. Talk about an attenuated indictment. Uh, uh, boom. You just hit it. You just hit it. That's something I keep trying to repeat to people. First of all, President Trump vehemently denies any affair with Stormy Dan. Okay, let's put that aside for a second, because let's assume all the facts are true, that he did have pay, paid money, um, the lawyer invoiced him his legal fees. All that's true. Here's what doesn't there's one thing that's that's important here. Was this a campaign law finance violation? Okay, was this a campaign finance law violation or not? The answer is absolutely not. All the precedents go the other way, don't don't they, Joe? All of them go the other way. Every expert from the, the federal election all chairmen, former chairmen are saying this is not a there's no crime here. <clears throat> There's no crime. And these are people on both sides of the political spectrum. But here's the two bright line tests. One, was this campaign funds or personal funds? Unlike John Edwards' case, which was dismissed by Department of Justice, where his campaign funds paid for him to have a, a woman who was pregnant with his child live in a house, okay, secretly. That was campaign funds. That case was dismissed. Here, this is Donald Trump's personal funds. Secondly, and this is the big one that they'll never get over, which is why it, I'm infuriated that I'm even having these damn discussions with people, is this. If the payment would have been made, payment or expenditure, whatever, would have been made irrespective of the campaign, it's not a campaign finance law violation. And, of course, the answer to that question is, of course it would have. That's why it wasn't a campaign expenditure. It was made with personal funds, not campaign and it would have been made because, as, as the perjurer, convicted liar, disbarred attorney Michael Cohen even said under oath when he pled guilty, this was done so Donald Trump would avoid personal embarrassment and embarrassment for his family, including his young son, Barron. So, of course, people settle cases out of court where they're being extorted. Give me money or I'm going to the press. I'm uh, going to make a, a statement about a sex scam. And everybody, we're talking to Joe Tacopina, who is representing President Trump in the case that everybody's watching, of course, uh, potential criminal charges against President Trump. Judge Weinberg, you have a question. Joe, I, I just want to make the following point to you, and I think you have it exactly right. And it's very simple. Alvin Bragg, the DA, had it exactly right a long time ago when he wasn't going forward with it. All of a sudden, he resurrected this case. And what was that about? You're right. Judge, you're right. 100% correct. Even Mark Pomerantz, who is, a, to me, a, a lowlife, okay? somebody who, is, who had a fiduciary obligation to prosecute, came from Paul Weiss, a, a Clinton-aligned firm, to prosecute or investigate Donald Trump when he was appointed as a special prosecutor, who in his book that he wrote, in violation of grand jury secrecy laws, which is a felony in New York State, um, 
went and wrote a book about all the information he learned, said he would have paid to prosecute Donald Trump. We do not do that here. We in this country don't pick the person and look for the crime. There's a crime that we find, and then we look for the responsible parties. We don't pick a person and try and find a crime. And in his book, went through all the different things he thought Trump could have been prosecuted on, which everyone else disagreed with. The one thing he said was this case, the hush money case, is called the zombie case, meaning it had to be re- resurrected from the dead because no one wanted to touch this. Joe, this so, is Pete King. Now, Alan Bragg. Joe, there's two points yeah. I wanted to make. First of all, apart from your skills in the courtroom, I think what you're doing on television is really important to set the narrative showing that New York bulldog style. I think it's great. Secondly, I can't tell you how many conversations I had with Michael Cohen several years ago telling me that Donald Trump is the greatest human being he ever met. He's always going to be indebted to him, and he's just so proud to be his friend. He said the same thing to me. <laughs> yeah, and to me, too. Same to me. <laughs> yeah. And he went on TV, and he went, as he was surreptitiously illegally recording his client, he went on TV to defend him to everyone, and him and Michael Avenatti were having these big fights. Now they're both federal prisoners. Which yeah, I wow. Hysterical, um, right? Shocker, shocker. Um, but, you know, it's it's unbelievable. It's this Michael Cohen, Alan Bragg is on the record. I, I don't know how he gets around this one. He's saying, I can't see a world in which I bring a prosecution based on the word of convicted purge for Michael against Donald Trump. Well, I guess, guess he's had to change your heart. His standards have been reduced. Or, or, and this is what I'm holding out hope for, or they're just going through the motions. And ultimately, they're not going to pull the trigger because they will lose this based on that officer's legacy. They will lose this case either on on legal grounds or in front of a jury. And I know what that bank is. Nobody takes anything to court when they know they're going to lose. Yeah, but that's what they're banking on here is that the New York jury will never quit Donald Trump. New Yorkers hate Donald Trump, and they won't. You know what? I have more faith in the New York jury than that because I think when they see outrageousness of this type of, of vindictive prosecution, a selective prosecution, a, a, a political prosecution, that no matter whether you're a, a, a Democrat, Republican, woke or asleep or whatever, you're not going to be, as a New Yorker that wants to look themselves in the mirror every morning, not going to be able to, to withstand this. And, uh, you know, real quick, uh, Joe, too, uh, everybody, we're talking to Trump's attorney, Joe Tacopina. The irony of it all, and you actually said this the other day, Joe, you always have these great zingers. That's why we always love having you on. But you made this comment that here it is, Alvin Bragg, who basically reduces felonies left and right for criminals. And in this case, at best, it's a minor misdemeanor. I mean, the irony of it all, you're saying go investigate Bragg was your comment. Joe, my only suggestion is that you dump Sid Rosenberg as your friend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm a loyal dog. I grew up together, like, literally like 15 years old in carpools together. So, oh, so you have some good dirt on Sid. Uh, That's good, Joe. So uh, <laughs> Sid, yeah, Sid, Sid is convinced he is too, the best. So he is the best, and he's such a great guy. He loves all you guys. So, <laughs> right, told him I was going on your show. He was raving about. It. So, um, no, no, absolutely. So, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you giving me the audience at the time. Because I know you're listening is important, um, and you guys are all just really people I look up to, so um, I know the president's a big fan, so I appreciate I appreciate the time because the word needs to get out, and I don't remember if it was the judge who said it or Congressman King but the, or John, the word needs to get out, or Ed, word needs to get out that this is outrageous, and we cannot, as a community, as a society, allow There's this. so many things Amen. being done. Uh, we're on your side. We're all together. The truth has to prevail. And, you know, they're chasing out in New York State. They chased out 484,000 uh, consumers already. 
I mean, and now I understand they want to they want to go after uh, businesses, and uh, it's crazy. I mean, the Empire State is not going to be the Empire State if they keep going this like this. And coddling criminals. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like they're coddling criminals, yeah. and then in this case, it's like if justice needs to be fair you to ask everybody. The state Senate, whose side they're on? Uh, Twenty million uh, Americans in in the state, or two and a half thousand. Uh, violent repeat criminals. Yeah, you know, that's a big question. And based on their actions, uh, I think we know the answer. Uh, Joe Tacopina, we love you. We appreciate you. You got to come back on again, my friend. Absolutely. Whenever you guys want. Thank you. Thank so you, much. Joe. Thank you, Joe. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Huge news today uh, that everybody is talking about Pentagon responding to what is the administration going to do after the Russian jets hit that U.S. drone over the Black Sea. You know, people think of drones. They think of a little small drone. That's what I thought about. This is a, a... Size of a oh, plane. the size of an airplane almost. And by the way, they just said it's in the Black Sea, four to 5,000 feet now in the <laughs> and Black I understand Sea. Well, the good. Russians are going looking for it. Yeah, the Russians then probably have a better chance the to Russians get it. With us today is the former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, Ty McCoy. Uh, Ty, can you tell the American people what the heck is going on? Well, John, I think uh, as we see and, and all your team there, the uh, Russians are continuing to kind of creep forward and escalate in various ways uh, as it gets closer to their territory where they think they have a uh, an advantage and they can use the leverage of uh, being closer to uh, the airstrips in, in the Black Sea. Uh, they're kind of pushing uh, the buttons of the Americans and, and Joe Biden to see what kind of response they're going to get. Uh, and at the same time, they are mobilizing more uh, bringing people from east of the Urals to fight uh, in Ukraine. And a very interesting aspect of all this is a potential visit by President Xi, who's consolidated power in China, to Moscow next week, with also the advertisement that after the meeting with Putin, he will have a Zoom call with uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine. So I see a very interesting uh, effort on the part of the Chinese to become the uh, world uh, peace brokers in some ways and to try and extend their brand by uh, some of what they're doing in support of the uh, Russians in the war, but also potentially using that as a cat's ball to try and uh, separate the global South, uh, Africa, South America, uh, India, uh, and pull them over to what would become a Chinese-Russian axis with Russia being the junior partner. So I think there's a, a very strategic game going on uh, by the Chinese. Uh, I think Putin is part of it and doesn't know it. And I think that the distraction of potentially the Chinese attacking Taiwan, which I think they will try and take over in a variety of ways, may be a bright, shiny object that is somewhat of a feint to the West, while the real big game that's going on is trying to take over and dominate uh, the global South while keeping and, and isolating Europe and NATO uh, with uh, distractions and uh, pulling the rest of the world away from, from us and from our Western influence. Ty, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. When I saw that there was a deal brokered by the Chinese between the Saudis and the Iranians, 
my eyes started to bleed, my head exploded. The impact of that to me as a layperson is absolutely enormous. Would you please explain to our listeners what it really means? Well, I think it, it means that while we've been talking about in the West, we're very concerned, of course, trying to save lives and democracy in Ukraine, very worried about democracy in Taiwan, that there may have been a bigger game going on in the minds of the Chinese strategists who've been famous at this for years, uh, the uh, famous uh, Mongol uh, empire extended all the way to the gates of Vienna, Austria, the Manchu dynasty, under the, the great Qing dynasty, extended far into Russia. And I think what we're seeing is if the, the Chinese feel like they can show enough uh, weight and strength and also have the Russian economy and gas and oil and food behind them, and they start brokering deals such as uh, between the Saudis and the Iranians, which was sort of unheard of, and pull them away from us, and then potentially negotiating something between the Russians and the Ukrainians, and then potentially, uh, since Russia is a patron of India and China is a, a patron uh, or, or a dominant force with Pakistan, trying to negotiate something there. So what we might see is a situation where the Chinese become very powerful and try to create a a uh, Chinese uh, super uh, hegemony over many parts of the world. And you've got, you've got a question West. real quick, uh, Ed. Uh, we just have a yeah. few seconds left. Go ahead, Ed. Y yeah. Uh, why the heck does Russia want to be a junior partner to China that covets Europe their takes them away. Yes. Europe chased them away. Yeah, Russia never yeah. wanted to come Obama in has chased what them away. What should we do? Oh, He's yeah. invading Ukraine and Georgia. No, well, right. yes, he was. Back in 2008, he invaded Georgia. Well, is that after the Olympics or before? Thank you, uh, Peter King. Think about that. <laughs> thank well, you, to thank you, Tyler McCoy. in the Olympics. in world <laughs> No, they spent $5.9 billion, and, and Obama told him to go uh, screw himself. Because of his conduct. Because okay. of his conduct. Obama reached out to him, and Obama yeah, pushed him back. And Ty thank McCoy, thank Ty you McCoy, very much. thank you. God bless you. We're going to find out the truth. And what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. God bless America. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.